Hey, ladies. Hey, mom. What's up? Let's slide. All right. Come back. We gon' get it on the night. You smoke. I smoke. I drink. Me too. Well, good. Because we gon' get hot tonight. Got drops. Got clues. Got trucks. Got juice. All right. And we gon' take a ride tonight. So, mom. What's up? Let's slide. All right. All right. What up, everybody? I'm your host, Drew Lieberman, and welcome to episode 12 of the Sideline Hustle podcast. Today's episode is a continuation of the conversation we had last week about building team culture, but we focused the discussion more specifically on the art of motivation. While a program's culture provides the blueprint for the standards and expectations that players and coaches must buy into, motivating them to put in the work day in and day out to meet those expectations is what I believe is the true art of coaching and is what separates good coaches from great ones and can allow players to take their games to a completely different level. Join Joining us today is former Maryland head coach Ralph Friedgen, Don Bosco prep head coach Mike Teal, Miami Dolphins wide receiver Leonte Carew, and former Rutgers quarterback Gary Nova. If you're a fan of this podcast, make sure you hit subscribe on your favorite listening platform so that you don't miss anything. We're on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and many more. Just search the Sideline Hustle podcast and you'll be sure to find us. Please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Sideline Hustle to keep up with all the new content we have coming out daily, as well as the Sideline Hustle YouTube channel, which features our new project teach tapes it's been a huge success so far and and what we're trying to do is show the more technical side of coaching in 30 to 60 second film breakdowns teaching you guys the fundamentals of the game also be on the lookout for sideline stories a series of never before heard stories and sound bites from all the members of the sideline hustle team which will be hosted on the sideline hustle youtube channel with snippets and previews being dispersed on instagram and twitter as well And, you know, we talk about doing the show. I mean, we're talking about what what football is all about. Well, yeah, you know, yeah, we we laugh and we joke and we 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 complain about how hard we work. But if we didn't love to coach, we wouldn't be doing this. We're, we're yeah. definitely not doing it for the money. You know what I'm saying? So it, it, this is a passion that we have. And you know, if you really if if you don't have that passion, you really shouldn't coach. I mean, I was the GA for four years. Yeah. You know? Four years now, and you know I, I made eleven thousand dollars my first job in nineteen seventy three, and I didn't crack the twenty thousand dollar mark until nineteen eighty. Wow. And so obviously I, you know, I wasn't in it for the money. I was in it because I loved it. It was some, it was something I just loved to do. And uh, I mean, I, I, I learned something every day. I mean, and I coached for forty three years, and I learned something every day. You know, you never know everything that you know. And there's so many different ways to do things. I think that's I see a lot of these young coaches. They know one way right now. They haven't been around to learn more than one way. And uh, you know, the relationship with the kids was always big with me. I just um, and you know, I loved it as an assistant coach, but you know, I kind of liked it even more as a head coach uh, because I had a I had a bigger group of kids, and you know, some kids didn't like me, and I didn't like some of them either. But I would say 95% of them, you know, I love. And I still hear from them, and, it's, and they, you know, my wife says they're on. I don't do Facebook, but you know, they're always talking to me about uh, Facebook. And I went to a wedding this this weekend, and, and a couple of them were there, you know. So it's, um, you know, it, it's interesting because my son-in-law, you know, he he told me, so I, I couldn't I couldn't work 18 hours a day like you did, and and he was he was between jobs and. You know, he said, are you worried about me getting a job? I said, no, I'm worried about you getting a job that you're passionate about. I said, because, see, me working 18 hours a day, I wasn't work. I never looked at it as work. I looked at it as my my whole desire was how was I going to win 12 games in a year. 
I mean, that's that was what I my whole focus, my whole goal was, and you know, everything we did was how were we going to be successful? You know, my early years I wasn't as successful, but I, you know, I didn't like losing, so I, I kept working at it and finally got better at it. You know, and, and that's just not X's and O's. It's you know how you handle people, how you deal with people, how do you how do you motivate people, how do you motivate a team? You know, I think uh, I think that's one of the things I think I did a pretty good job of. everybody this is your host drew lieberman what up this is gary nova your everyday quarterback and you are now listening to the sideline hustle podcast here's two guys one guy who coached in the big ten and one guy who played in the big ten talking about their experiences and i'm like you did do a good job of getting rid of the football i mean yeah sometimes i got rid of it to other teams right 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 from the sidelines, we gotta hustle cause we gotta eat. From the sidelines, we got some goals that we still gotta reach. I think the hardest thing in sports is to motivate players because each player is motivated differently. What's up guys, this is Mike Teal, head football coach at Don Bosco Prep High School, former Rutgers and Seattle Seahawks quarterback. That is where people don't understand the true point of coaching. You know, if you're a receiver coach, you've got 10, 12 guys in a room, and there's not one guy that's motivated the same way. Everybody is different. This is Ralph Friedgen, former head coach at the University of Maryland. If I yelled at a guy, and I yelled a lot more when I was younger than when I was older, I could see it in his eyes if I turned him off. Well, I was, I was wasting my time doing that. I wasn't going to motivate that kid. Now, there are other kids, they might get pissed at me, but they played better. That's a different deal now. Some you had to hug. Some you had to bring in your office and, and show them the tape. There there might be one guy that he only understands an ass kicking, and that's what you have to give him every day. There might be another guy where if you give him an ass kicking, he's going he's gonna to crawl up to his shell and, and want to quit. And, and you can't do that with that kid. So you've got to be a pseudo-psychologist to understand what makes him tick, what, what motivates him what makes him want to play harder for you and you touched on it earlier the biggest thing is you've got to get kids to want to play for you and how do you motivate them well there's there's got to be different ways to do it you know i know some guys you just got to pound them you got you can't take your foot off their throat you got to be on them consistently 24 hours a day seven days a week no matter what it is in a sense it's tiring for you but it's motivating them because they're doing what you want and that's the ultimate goal well, I think you hold people accountable, but you, you don't always have to embarrass them in front of everybody. Sometimes you do more damage than good. They're looking at the film, too. They know if you got the job done or not. And, and, and to me, there's a way to do it. You know, like, all right, let's say we're talking about a wide receiver. And say he drops the ball. Well, instead of saying, you know, Janarian or, or Patton, you dropped the ball, you know, you got to be accountable. You say, hey, we got to be accountable. We got to make plays. So now you're not pointing the finger at that individual, even though everybody's seeing who that individual is, but yeah. you're talking you're collectively you're as a whole team. You follow yeah. what I'm saying? To me, that sometimes lightens the blow a little bit as opposed to like, you know, it's like, you know, God damn it, you got to make that damn play. You know, why didn't you do that? Now the guy's singled out. If that motivates him, I'm all for it. But if it doesn't, you know, and if he says, you know, screw you or, you know, or he goes into sulking and he won't talk to anybody and now he's in a downer, it's probably going to happen again. Did your philosophy that way change 
in different position groups? No, not position groups. When I coached the position, it was more individual. I think the quarterback position has got to be the toughest of, of anybody. Not only do you have to be physically tough, you have to be mentally tough. You know, because you can't be worried about, you know, what everybody's saying. It goes with the territory. If, if the team's not doing well, you're probably not doing well. And if the team's going good, you're probably not doing as well as you think you are. But the team's right. winning. You know, when you get a, you get a helmet in your ear and you don't even know what's coming and your whole body goes numb, yeah. you got to get up and go back in that huddle and get going. To me, you better show the rest of the team, you know, you better not be pointing fingers when you do that. you got to show some toughness there. You know, I'll give you an example. Um, when Gary threw the five interceptions against Penn State, yeah, I went up there after the game and I said, you know, you're going to be tested right now. You know, what's done is done. I said, I'm not quitting on you. So you yeah. need to get your ass in gear and, you know, let it roll off your back and let's go back to work. But if I went in there and said, you stunk tonight, the reason we lost the game is because of you. Now, how do you think he would have reacted to that? Not well at all. I remember I was right behind behind you when you said that, and I remember it had a huge effect on his mood after the game. Yeah, because pointing the finger, especially as a head coach, you've got to be very careful of that. I, I did it one time at Clemson, and I did it for a purpose. It was my last year, and we went down and got beat by Clemson, and they had a good team. But so I, I thought we didn't play hard enough to win, and I told the team that. And they, I heard some guys come in and say he threw them under the bus. I don't, I don't care what I did. I said I, that was my opinion that the AD was there too. But you know, we came back and played better. You know, obviously, obviously we got pushed real hard. I remember like the summers at Bosco, and this is Gary Nova, your everyday quarterback. You know, running like four quarters with Nunzio sitting in the middle of the field, and, and Campy, you know, basically pushing us to damn near we're falling over about to throw up every every single day uh, like what do you look for in like a coach like motivating you like obviously you know every coach you know tries to get the most out of their players but like obviously there's more genuine than others I think you know playing at Rutgers we, we experienced a, a lot of different coaches kind of it was like a revolving door in there so like as you in, in, in the NFL now what do you look for in like a coach to like motivate you I kind of like the the idea of like, you know, coach just pretty much just treating me like a man. Yo, what's up? It's Leontay Carew, Miami Dolphins, Rutgers legend, and you're listening to the Sideline Hustle. Not really putting me down, but, but almost building me up in a way. Like, you know, just saying, you know, you could do it, just push through, you know, just be tough, you know, and, and just find a way to just out-compete the other person. You know, some some coaches, you, you get those coaches who, who, who think that they're almost like better than you in a way and, and try to motivate you that way. Like, oh, well, when I, when I was when I was playing football, I never begged out. You know, I was always... You can't, you you can't know, act some like, don't act a certain way when you're really not. Exactly. So, you know, I, I like the coaches who, who pretty much are like, you, you're a tough kid you know you've always been a tough kid find a way to get through this and push through and, and make the plays that you need to make because this is what got you here even at the nfl you know these coaches you know they that's that's the way they kind of motivate you like you know you you've always been a playmaker just go out there and do your thing you know just make plays and and, and just figure it out just treat you like a man you know and then that's when if, if you're if they're treating you like a man and you're not you're not giving them you know the effort back or you're you're not meeting up to your expectations then you know that's when consequences deserve to happen but in the meantime when when i'm looking for motivation from a coach or anything like that i just look for them to treat me like a man and that's it so it was easier my first year this is ralph preaching because those kids were they were so hungry to win they just i mean they were i mean i i would really get those guys fired up the more you won the, the harder it was to you know, they, they, they got used to winning. I think probably Saban does a good job of that. Just 
you know, I went out to dinner last night with Gary Stoken, who runs the, all the bowls in the Georgia Dome and, you know, the Peach Bowl. He, Alabama's playing Florida State to open the season. And, you know, he said Nick wants to play in that game every year because he gets 20% of his recruiting class from from Atlanta. And he said just gives us a tremendous showcase in, in this area. So. Plus, he says, we want to play the best every year. You know, I sell the kids. That's who you're going to play against the best. You know, I think he's tough as hell on him. I, I think he's a hard, hard coach, but I think he's fair. And I think, I think he understands. I think he's a lot. He and Belichick are big. You know, he worked with Belichick, Cleveland Browns, yeah. and they're big buddies. And I, you know, Belichick is kind of, he's kind of a different guy. You know, he's, almost sarcastic, you know, but he, he has a way of, of motivating people because if, if, if you're not a team player for Belichick, you're, I don't care how good you are, he's got you. And that's what motivates the pro football. I mean, I, I laugh because I see the Jets, you know, the guy misses a meeting and he sits him out a quarter. Find that guy 25 grand, see how much he sits out, of, you know, get in their pockets. That's what motivates those guys. So the, the thing that, that I thought was very impactful and, and really was a really good way to go about trying to motivate players. What's up, guys? This is Mike Teal. Was uh, the way John McNulty, the offensive coordinator at, at Rutgers when I played there, would would do. So the Thursday before the game, uh, we were obviously playing on Saturdays. We'd, we'd have a walkthrough on Fridays and go to the hotel Friday night. But uh, something that I think he took from Tom Coughlin in the NFL when he had coached in the NFL and, and he's since gone back to the NFL. But he would take a, a clip from a movie, whatever movie it was, that represented something that had gone on that week or represented a, a, a team collective effort to get something done. Uh, and he would show us that clip and, and basically have something to talk about. I, I can think of, of a couple different clips that he, that he had shown, whether it was a war movie or... Uh, a gangster movie where a bunch of guys are, you know, beating up a group of guys that shouldn't be there, or or an attitude of this is this is who we are, this is what we're going to do, this is how we're going to do it. And I thought that 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 was a unique way to to help motivate the players uh, for that certain week. The position coach and the head coach have got to be optimistic. They got to show you how we're going to win this game. Those kids got to believe how you're going to win the game. We had that the, the little hill before you go into the practice field, and I put regular tombstones. They cost me like fifteen hundred dollars, and I put the 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 scores of teams, the top ten teams we beat. One year we yeah. beat five top ten teams in one season, and I think we were like eight and five that year. And why did I what did I do then? This is part of motivation. Maybe it's part of the culture discussion too. But every day those kids walk by those tombstones. And every day they see, you know, Maryland beat Florida State. Florida State was ranked number seven in the country or number four in the country. You know, saying Maryland beat Kyle went over there when we beat Rutgers, they were number eight in the country. So what's yeah. that? What's the message that sends? Hey, we can do this. You know, people yeah, have done that. I got on the phone with the DJ Durkin because they're moving the practice fields up to where Cole Fieldhouse is. I said, what are you going to do with the cemetery? He goes, what cemetery? So I told him why I did that. You know, he said, I don't know what I'm going to do with that. I said, well, that's why I did it, because I want those kids to believe they can win those games. If they don't go in there believing, you got no chance. I mean, I saw that. At, when we went to Ohio State, kids were taking their you know, pictures at warm-up. We got no chance. Let me ask you this with that situation. I, I really thought that was something that – I really thought we should have visited the stadium the day before. Like, I get I get that it's not supposed to be a spectacle, like, whatever. I just – I knew it was going to be a big deal to the kids being there, and I, I felt like we should have given them the opportunity to see it and, like, appreciate it. Probably so in, in that situation. In that situation, like that, like ha- going to Michigan, 
in, like stuff like that, where it's like, all right, you're at these historic places. You know these kids have never been there before. Like, don't pretend it's not going to be a spectacle. Like, let them enjoy it the day before, and then we're ready to go play the game. Right. I don't. I don't disagree with that. I, and I, you know, I think there's a there's a case in point for that. But yeah. again, that that's kind of an experience thing. To to me, the best motivator I've ever been around is, is Anthony Campanelli. And especially you talk about dealing with a bunch of different personalities. Like you can think back to that receiver room that he took over. Like we had all kinds of personalities in that room. I think there's a lot of softness generally in a receiver room that you got to try and beat out of those guys in different ways. And like you said, some guys respond to an ass whooping, some guys don't. But I remember his big thing that I thought always stuck with me was that he truly believed that no matter whether the kid responded to it well or not, he believed in holding kids accountable in front of their teammates. And that, and showing a clip on film and saying, this isn't okay, this isn't how we do things, this isn't allowed, but calling them out in front of their teammates and regardless of who it was, if it was Leonte Carew and he's the best receiver in the country, or he's a walk-on freshman, you do... you. If you're not doing things the right way in practice, I'm going to call you out for it and I'm going to call you out in front of everyone so everybody can see what's not acceptable and everyone can learn from that. And, and I always really respected that that way of going about it. And I think the, the biggest thing that is so unique about Anthony is that he has the ability to absolutely crush you in a meeting or on the field, but then he's got the ability to make you feel like you're his kid when when you're done with that he he truly and the reason why he's built for this profession is he truly loves his players i i hear stories from past bosco players that played for him when he was either a linebacker coach or the offensive coordinator at Bosco and he worked those kids harder than they've probably ever worked in their lives and he probably put them through more misery than they've ever been through in their lives but every one of those kids loves them and it's the same thing with the players that you know he coached when we were at Rutgers together I mean those guys love him and that you can't teach that and that, I think that's that's what separates him from from a lot of other coaches I would hire him solely for the ability to get the players to, to love him the way that they that he loves them. He loves his players. Like, isn't that what coaching is supposed to be about? Like, I feel like that's been so lost in modern day coaching because now there's so many guys who are coaching for a paycheck or coaching to get that next job because there's millions of dollars attached to it now. It's it's not it coaching's become less pure because it's not about loving your kids and making your kids better. It's about getting your kid to do something the right way so that he makes your offense look good so that you can get a head coaching job. Flip side is you got to coach him so hard to make sure that he does his job the right way so you don't fired right exactly you bring in the the business aspect of life and death as far as your your career it's going to change and it's unfortunately it's part of what the world has become in, in this profession uh and it's not right because it takes that purity out of it but you know it's a reality of what it is you hit the nail on the head man like he just loves his guys and that's why like he can beat them down and he can destroy them but like in the end the same way like you said like when your dad is mad at you you still know he loves you and there was a demand that you're better than you think you are my job is to get the absolute best out of you but then i still care about you off the field yeah and that's a great way of putting it of, of why why you demand things of your players because you're you're sitting there and you're looking at their potential and you're saying I see this in you I'm I'm doing everything I can to get this out of you it's not always going to be a fun process but you have to trust what I'm seeing in you and you you have to rise to the expectations I'm demanding and again as long as as long as they know that they that you love them I think I think generally you can accomplish that. I always told them, you know, you, the way you make steel is you melt it, and then then it becomes hard. And I think that's what you got to do. You got to they got to know what lactic acid is. That is part of their problem. You know, they they got to experience what it is to be tired. They have to push themselves. When a kid has a bad day of practice, okay, 
Well, you might find out that, you know, he broke up with his girl, or he had a death in the family, or his grandmother's sick, or flunked the test. So there's some reason why he's not playing well today. You know what I'm saying? You need mm-hmm. to find that out first before you jump all over his case. If you communicate with him enough, you should know some of those things. So I would tell this to the academic people. If something's going on in their personal life that it could affect them uh, on how they are in school or how they are on the field, then the coaches need to know and I need to know. That helps too. You know, it helps if you just go up and tell the kid, hey, I'm, I'm sorry to hear about your grandmother. I hope she's going to be well. She's in my prayers, you know. That sometimes is as much a motivation as anything else. You know, he cares about me more than just a football player. So I think knowing your kids, that's the biggest thing. And then motivating a team, I used to look at the schedule every year. I'd try to form thoughts of, okay, how am I going to motivate for this week? It would start on Monday. You know, once we put the, the old game away, we'd have a, a team meeting and I'd start right then and there. And I just, whatever it was, you know, whether they, we didn't play well this week or this team beat us last year or we need this game for this. or And, and then if I find other things during the week, so I was always looking for some nugget to keep the fire burning. And then you get it going and then Friday nights, I usually, I was the last guy to talk and and I'm telling you, I had, a, I had a couple of them where the kids were crying and I was crying. And, but when we come out of there, we were fired up. I remember we had gotten beat by uh, Northern Illinois. And we had to go up there and play, and we got beat up there. We started off uh, one and two. We were going to play Virginia. And we, and we had won some games, but we were playing Virginia on Thursday night. And it was really a cold night. And I, I had this uh, guy, uh, Jess Atkins. He was a place kicker for us. And he, he and I did Fridge TV. We, he was a radio guy. Well, I said to him, I said, can you do anything, you know, a motivational film, something to show these kids? So he came up with this thing with the music, The Gladiator. I looked at it and I about started crying. He had, had all these shots of us losing to those teams. And then the momentum picked up and we started winning. And then now this was this big game. So I said, okay, I, I don't want to, sh- I don't want to break our regular r- routine. So what I think I'll do is we used to have everybody go to dinner at 6 o'clock. There was a time to be at dinner at 6 o'clock. That was another part of our culture. If you were late for dinner, the door was locked. You didn't get dinner. I had to do that a few times. But after that, everybody was there 10 minutes ahead of time. So we went into dinner. You know, I said grace. And then I said, okay, I got I got something I want to show you guys. So I took him into one of the rooms, and we, we put this tape on it. The tape was maybe 15 or 20 minutes, and no one said a word. I didn't know if it was successful or not successful. You know, I thought we were ready to play. We, we take the bus, and we come to the stadium. And to get off the bus, and about four guys came up to me and said, Coach, can we see that film again? I said, what do you mean? He said, that film last night was awesome. He said, we want to see it in the locker room. I said, you're kidding me. I said, so I called Jess on my cell phone. I said, can you rig this thing up in the locker room? He did. He rigged it up in the locker room. It was emotional. And, of course, yeah. we went, we played out of our gourd that night. Those are kind of things that you do. And then we, we lost the game down at Clemson, and we got robbed. It, it was uh, fourth and goal on the – it actually was on the two-yard line. They throw a pass through like an alley-oop in the end zone. The ball was incomplete, and they called pass interference on us. So now they get the ball on the end, uh, on one yard line. The guy scores, and they beat us. So now we got to play Florida State next. 
and we had never beaten Florida State. When we landed in Baltimore, I had everybody get off the plane but the players, and I got on the mic and I said, we lost a tough game today, but we are going to beat Florida State. To get today, get your mindset, just start right thinking right now, we're going to beat Florida State. I don't want to hear any things, we've we've never beaten them, but we're going to beat them this week. So then on Monday, I had bracelets done up, beat State, beat Florida State on them. Uh, I had kids sign a, a they made a pledge that they were going to win the game, you know. And um, sure enough, we went down, we beat them uh, in College Park. So the, the, those are the motivational things that I think, you know, a good coach can do. I, I don't believe that. I, I think you can get guys up to play a game. I, I really do. And uh, In fact, uh, when we, my first year at Maryland, the goal was to win six games. And, of course, our sixth game, we're playing Georgia Tech, the team I had just come from. And it's on Thursday night national TV. And they're ranked like, I don't know, they were like 12th in the country or something like that. So I actually got up in the meeting and went over each position by position. And I said, we're better here. Well, we're equal here. I said, I made it where we were going to be better than, because I said, I'm the only guy that knows both teams. And uh, so I, because I wanted our guys to have the confidence, you know, and then of course we won that game. And then, you know, and then I said, well, we need to reset our goals. We already won six games. We're bowl eligible. Now our goal is to need to win the conference championship. And we went on and won the conference championships. I think this, you can find a, theme, a goal, or something that the kids are thinking about. What, where is this game for us, you know? All those little motivational things each week, did you have a process of coming up with those, or did they just kind of come to you? The, the tough ones were like like playing Northern Illinois or FIU, playing them at their place. Now, okay, guys, we're going into the Lions' den. This is like the Super Bowl. And our guys, it, it's always hard to get up to those games because you, you're in like a high school stadium and, you know, they're fired up and they're a pretty damn good team. Selling you guys on that, you know, and then nothing goes right and they had their officials and we get, we get screwed and they win. But I would try to look at the schedule and see – you know, okay, what's my approach to this game? And then sometimes something comes up and it will come to me. Sometimes I think they're the revelations, you know, I, I would just say, oh, you know, this is how I can reach them tonight, you know. What were the best motivational techniques for you personally or for what you felt for the team? What do you believe in as, as a motivator and what was most effective for you? I think for me, um, I go back to high school. This is Gary Nova, your everyday quarterback. You know, I was always motivated by competition. Sometimes I got a little lazy if, you know, we were kind of just going through practice and stuff like that but as soon as as soon as it was like competition offense versus defense or soon it was like you know what quarterback's going to complete the most passes in this drive you know that's when no matter how bad I felt you know I always was like let's go mm-hmm. and that's what that's what got the best out of me the coaches saw that and they pushed me always pushing me I think coach Friedman saw that and he constantly was pushing me to do better and better and better and that's that's kind of the stuff that really got me going you know as far as trying to get guys to motivate be motivated to play for you or be a leader um, I just feel like they want to know that you know what you're doing first. Right. First and foremost. Right. Yeah. When you step in that huddle, you got to say the play with confidence. They got to know that you know what you're doing. That's that's number one. I think number two is setting the example off the field. You know, being, you know, going to class, being a good student, being a good teammate, you know, picking guys up from class, you know, doing all the little things mm-hmm. like that, and knowing that they got you, and then holding them accountable. You know, when they drop a ball, it's not all right. When they miss a play, it's not all right, stuff like that. I think that's, you know, that if you do that, the guys will really just start to follow you and believe in what you're saying. And like Leonte kind of said that he said Coach, Coach Campy taught him a little bit was 
but you got to look at yourself first. And you know, when you start with yourself and you improve yourself, you got yourself in, in the best place you can, then you can go hold other people accountable and they'll start to follow. You know, you, you'll earn people's respect by just being a grinder and being tough and working hard and then holding other people accountable. When you start with yourself first, then other people will follow and then you're able to lead and you're able to do things differently. Yeah, no doubt. And one of the best quotes I've ever heard is, leaders lead, right? So it's like, how are you gonna ask somebody else to do something right. and you're not willing to do it, exactly. right? So I remember in high school, we were like cleaning up cups and I said something like, yo, pick up that cup right there. And my coach was like, no, you go pick it up. Like, don't ask anybody to do something that you're not willing to yeah, do. Yeah, exactly. And that's that always stuck with me. Yeah. Because, like I said, if, if I'm, I'm going to ask somebody to run a ride at 12 yards when I'm taking a, a three-step drop when I should be taking a five-step right, drop. Right, exactly. It's little things like that. And or, yelling at them for coming exactly. out of their break early, but really it's Exactly. Or messing, yeah. up, messing up a play call in the huddle. You know, that's just me being lack of studying or something mm -hmm. like that. You got to be on your P's and Q's because... If you're not, they're gonna when when the times get tough, they're gonna be like, man, you didn't do this right. right exactly. How are you gonna tell me to do something? Exactly. Right? And that's just human nature. It you is. can't blame yep. them for that. But yep. if you're on cue, if you're on point, they can't say anything. They're gonna say, all right, you know, Gary does it right, and I gotta step my stuff mm -hmm. up and, and mm -hmm. get it done. I think that kids want to be pushed and want to be held accountable and want it to be hard as long as they understand the purpose behind it and understand why they're doing something. For me, I always try to relate the most difficult times during a football season to the difficulties that kids are going to face later in life and explain to them that this moment is, is preparing them for those challenges down the road when they won't have a choice but, but to fight harder. When times are tough later on and you have a wife and kids and a family depending on you to provide for them, you're not allowed to give in or stop or, or even waste time thinking about slowing down. You just have to work and grind and do everything you can to provide for the ones you love. And I'll be damned if you don't leave my room fully prepared for that fight. As long as this game is played by human beings, toughness and emotion will determine the outcome of every contest. And an individual's capacity for suffering will determine how hard he's willing to compete in order to win. If he's exhausted himself in his preparation, then he'll be equipped with poise when the crucial moments occur in the game that he's been training for. These moments that others perceive to be high stress, that others perceive to be high pressure, poise and cool-headedness are the most sought-after characteristics, as those two traits allow him to execute his job with a clear mind, and that precedes any physical abilities he might have. The game of football and the game of life are built around fighting for what you love. The love and the bond that, that we share in this room is what forces us to show up to practice every damn day without excuse, the same way that the love for your family will one day force you to show up to work every damn day without excuse. Love is what holds us accountable to each other, love is what keeps us disciplined, love is what allows us to endure the pain and the suffering that is necessary to become a champion that refuses to give in, period. That is the single greatest lesson that the game of football can teach a man. Fight for what you love and never give in. Because ultimately, how hard you're willing to fight determines the winners and losers in this life, and that is what we're training for every single day. You know, I think I've found some success being able to motivate guys because there's never any doubt in their mind how much I love them and, and how much I do for them on a daily basis. That's never in question with my players. So once that becomes established in the room, it becomes much easier to, to demand a lot from them because they know that they're getting that back in return from you. They'll run through a wall for you if they watch you sell out for them and know that you really care about them as people and are willing to do anything to help them improve as, as players and, and as young men. And my players to me are, are like my younger brothers in a way. That's kind of how I treat it and their development development on and off the field are very important to me. I, I open up to them about my personal life and ask them about their personal life and we all know each other really well so that now when it becomes time to, to push these kids further than they're willing to push themselves, they're not going to question me when we have that type of relationship and they're looking at me like a brother. You're not, you're not going to question that. They're going to start to question you when they don't trust you. And I think that if you can prove to guys that you love them, they'll trust you. Okay. Yeah. 
And that's all we've got for episode number 12 of the Sideline Hustle podcast. Thank you so much for hanging out with us and giving us your time. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite listening platform. We're on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and a bunch more. Just search the Sideline Hustle podcast and you'll find us. Also, follow us on social media at Sideline Hustle on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We're coming out with some awesome football content every single day. You don't want to miss it. It's, it's stuff that I don't really think many other people are doing on social media, and, and it's been it's been a really fun project. Teach Tapes has been blowing up the last few weeks, and I'm going to continue to break down a ton of film for you guys and produce those more often, as well as stories and sound bites from members of the Sideline Hustle team that have never been heard before, but can be found on the Sideline Hustle YouTube channel and on any of our other social media accounts at Sideline Hustle. Thank you guys for all the support. We received a lot of love about the podcast and everything we're doing over the last week, and if you're a fan, please help us continue to grow by spreading the word to family and friends. There's no promotion more powerful than word of mouth. So again, thank you guys for the support and the continued love. Happy Monday, everyone. I will see you next week. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, check it. Uh, I'm from where they barely make it. Houses getting raided. Porch hair braiding. Late rent payment. Lack of motivation. No father figures. I ain't seen his ass in ages. Not too many know about my trials and tribulations. Talking to my mom since I dealt with my shoelaces. Ain't tripping when I say this. Punk ass landlord. I know that nigga racist. Uh, that nigga racist. Constantly conflicting us. Holes in the floors and the walls. And it up, paper taped on the door. Now this dude evicting us.